Welcome back to the Beyond Macros podcast. We are the Sustainable Transformation Nutrition Coaches, and our show will help you make your transformation that lasts with episodes about nutrition and the all-important art of inner work. I've been loving that a number of you listening have been turning these shows into a two-way conversation. And to show my appreciation, I want to give some listener appreciation. First up, thanks to Andy Tallman for not only consistently sharing his takeaways from the show on Instagram, but also for taking the macros we calculated for him and running with it. He recently posted an amazing one-year transformation photo and said, you've been an amazing resource over the past year. Getting my macros calculated was the fire emoji I needed to get my nutrition in check. I love hearing stories like this, and I know Andy is not alone. Hit us up, post on social media, let us know what you've been enjoying or want to learn more about so we can bring that fire emoji to you. Today is another episode in our 2018 recap series. This episode is a recap of the shows we did this year about supplements. And if you know me, you know I am a supplement minimalist for many reasons. Forget that it's an unregulated industry notorious for making misleading claims and being dishonest about what's actually in the product. The real issue I have with supplements is that most people try to use them as a band-aid to fix their poor nutrition, poor movement, or poor lifestyle habits. And supplements really aren't that effective. So this year, we talked about three non-hormonal supplements with the largest effect on improving performance. Do you remember what they were? I'll give you a hint. They all end in EEN. They were da, 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 creatine, beta-alanine, and caffeine. Fun. And do you remember what the actual increase on markers of performance is for each of these supplements? Let's start with creatine, the supplement everyone's mom thought was the equivalent of a steroid in the 90s. What do you think the percent increase in performance is for this legendary supplement? This depends on the type of work you're doing, but the effect of creatine loading can be quite pronounced for high-intensity work. Some studies suggest about a 5-15% to improvement for max power and strength, performing max effort sets, and performing repetitive sprints. The effect is a little lower, but still pronounced for a single effort sprint performance at about 1-5% improvement. The effect of creatine on performance improvement seems to depend on the athlete's muscle creatine concentrations before loading. If an athlete already has topped up muscle creatine, the effect is much less. If their muscle creatine concentration is low, the effect of supplementary creatine is much higher. More on this later. On to the next supplement, beta-alanine. Do you remember what the percent increase in performance is for this popular supplement? Again, the effect of supplements on performance depends on the type of work being done. 
Beta alanine has about a 2.85% increase on performance of high intensity tasks lasting between one to four and a half minutes. Pretty darn specific, huh? And lastly, let's dive into caffeine. This one is hard to nail down the performance effects. In my interview with Dr. Mike T. Nelson, he mentioned, You're definitely in the single digit percentages, I would say. So creatine, probably one of the most efficacious ergogenic uh, supplements we have. It's a caffeine. I would throw that in there also. And even then, for ones that are the most efficacious, <clears throat> single digit percent. So initially, you're like, well, that's not that much. And in the big picture, to someone who doesn't train a lot, it's not really where I would say focus a lot of your time. The benefit of a supplement is its compliance is super easy. So in reality, do I have most of the athletes I work with take creatine? Yeah, because there's tons of neurologic um, beneficial things. There's, God, I think the last time I looked, there's well over 400 studies just on creatine monohydrate alone. So we know more about the safety than almost anything else, with the exception of maybe caffeine. And we know there's, like I said, neurologic, there's other benefits. And you literally take the scooper out, add it to your protein shake, and drink it. So there's not much effort per se. But if you think a supplement is what's going to be responsible for you doubling your bench press or that type of thing, probably not. Although even, uh, let's say, a 2% gain to someone who's a strength athlete on a max lift, that's pretty damn significant, right? You know, if you could, if someone came to me and said, hey, you know, you've got a big performance event coming up, I can increase your performance by 2% by just taking a supplement. That's pretty damn impressive, you know, to someone who's on more of the elite end of the spectrum. After talking with Doc Nelson, and hearing how caffeine's effect on performance is all over the board, it inspired me to dig a little bit deeper myself. In a 2010 systematic review and meta-analysis, the conclusion was that there is a small beneficial effect on maximal voluntary contraction strength with a big asterisk. It only showed a benefit on knee extension. This is interesting because a more recent review and meta-analysis done this year reported results that caffeine appeared to only have a statistical significant improvement on markers of upper and not lower body strength. The same study did show a significant increase in muscle power, however. And for endurance folks, the 2010 review showed that there was a significant performance effect of caffeine on muscular endurance for open-ended versus fixed endpoint tests. So what do you make of all of this? I'd love to hear your thoughts about how this will affect your use of supplements moving forward. You can join the discussion on the Beyond Macros invite-only community or screenshot the show and share it on your Instagram story with your thoughts. I'm not going to tell you what conclusions you should draw from this information, as pleasing as that might be, but I will share a reflection on the effect size of these popular supplements. I see that the placebo effect is one hell of a drug. The first time I took creatine and caffeine before a high school weight room session, I was on one. 
I put up more on every high school bro's favorite movement, the bench press, than ever before, right out of the gate. Which makes no sense because, as we learned in the caffeine episode, it takes one hour for caffeine to hit peak concentrations in the blood. And this was 10 minutes into my training at most. And creatine needs to be loaded, not just taken once to provide an effect. But I really believed that what I was taking was going to have me firing on all cylinders. And the bottles told me I would be firing on all cylinders. So I was. That's an interesting thing about the placebo. When both the recipient and the administrator of the placebo, in this case the supplement, believe it is going to have an effect, it's more likely to have that effect. Now to add on to the story of my first high school supplementation fixation, I actually was more consistent with the gym and eating because of the supplements. I figured if I'm going to take these things, I need to get the most out of them. And the ritual of mixing up a pre-workout shake and then after my workout running to the local smoothie shop on the way home for a muscle builder smoothie was enough to make me a bona fide gym rat. The power of the mind is crazy. And the reason I don't disavow supplement use entirely in my own practice is because I know that by taking a minimum amount of supplements, I'm going to get a nice placebo effect, plus whatever effect they have. And speaking of the placebo effect and caffeine, I saw another study recently from the Journal of Environmental Psychology that showed a coffee-scented room caused people to perform better on an analytical reasoning test than the people who were in an unscented room. Holy crap. Coffee smell is a performance-enhancing placebo. Coffee smell also seems to have a diuretic placebo effect. You don't even need to take your first sip of coffee because the neurological association with coffee leading to a restroom visit is enough. You might remember this was part of the discussion I had with Dr. Nelson. So for me, I usually drink coffee when I'm working on something or I'm reading research, generally in a more, a little bit more of a relaxed state. If I use caffeine before exercise, I usually use like an anhydrous caffeine form and usually not coffee. So my associations are that hmm, caffeine's, you know, kind of more relaxing for me, even though there's caffeine in it. Uh, like my buddy, Dr. Lonnie Lowry, will drink a fair amount of coffee usually before a heavy lifting session, especially more in his past. So if we were to measure both of us in a study and coffee was a thing we're looking at as the intervention, well, I have a different neurologic association than he does to coffee. Even if we standardize for the same amount of caffeine, let's say per body weight, we may see different effects because of those neuronal associations also. And that just makes everything messy. And I've seen that on people's individual online training HRV data. So uh, one lady recently, she's like, wait a minute. She's like, I, I, I forgot to do my HRV. She's like, I made my coffee. She's like, I only had like three sips of coffee. And her HRV was substantially different. That's probably not the liquid. It's probably not even the caffeine amount because it hasn't even had time to absorb, much less the amount is very small. But what is true is all the other neuronal associations with having coffee, those are all present, right? You're smelling the coffee. You go through the process of making it. You're holding it. 
all those types of things will then affect how your nervous system is perceiving it. Working our way back up the ladder of effective supplements, I want to hit you with an update to the beta alanine research that brings cognitive function into the spotlight and not just time to exhaustion on a sprint test. A 2018 study by First and colleagues gave a group of 60-year-olds less than half the effective four-week loading dose of 6 grams per day and still found that the beta-alanine group performed better on a cycling time-to-exhaustion test. And guess what? They also performed better on a Stroop test five minutes after cycling. Remember the Stroop test? Here's Doc Nelson to remind you. A Stroop test will be like, okay, yeah, it's just called, I think it's just Stroop Effect is the app. And it'll pop up on the screen and it'll be the word like green, but it'll be in red letters. So they're mixed, right? And so you'll have to call out the correct one, but your brain is so used to green with the color being green and the text being green. So now they're mismatched. And it's the funniest thing because there is a little bit of a learning effect from it, but not as much as some other tests. And what's great about it is it's pretty consistent from uh, one person to the next in terms of a way to assess uh, one part of cognitive performance. And when you do it, it's so frustrating because you you know kind of what the answer is, but it's harder than you think that it is, right? Because you just explain this to people and they go, oh man, I'm going to rock that test. That's going to be so easy. And then you do it and you're like, <laughs> it's like way harder than you think that it is. So, um, but those are some things people can kind of play around with on their own. So what we see here is that the beta alanine group was better off cognitively five minutes after the test, even though they were able to go longer than the group who received a placebo. But this is just one small study on 60-year-olds doing a biking test. Whether you think it applies to you is up to you. After hearing this study, I could immediately think of one group of people who should supplement beta alanine. The people I thought of was a master's CrossFit athlete who does their competitive training leading right up until the class they need to coach starts before throwing their t-shirt back on and trying to facilitate a class with training brain. Yeah, that's probably not a whole lot of people. But while we're on the topic of cognitive benefits, let's move back up the ladder to the most effective non-hormonal supplement available on the market, creatine. In this year's creatine episode, we discussed how a loading dose of creatine improved cognitive function, especially in vegetarians who are not getting dietary creatine from meat. Creatine just gets so much attention in the research world, it's amazing. There were two new systematic reviews this year alone looking at creatine and cognitive function. A recent one out of Greece found that creatine was effective in improving short-term memory and reasoning, and that the effects on memory were more pronounced in vegetarians. A European journal review paper this year also concluded that higher doses of creatine increase brain concentrations, and it commented that increased brain creatine may have the greatest effect in overcoming cognitive stress, like challenging mental tasks 
or sleep deprivation. I know, I said you can't supplement away bad sleep. But I also realize that life isn't always balanced. Sometimes sleep is what gets sacrificed to make room for work, family, and yourself. If that's the case, you've got two good options to get you through. Creatine at about 8 grams plus per day and caffeine. One last update to the creatine episode revolves around timing. The added benefit of timing your creatine is like splitting hairs. But it's worth pointing out that a review paper on creatine timing this year found that although pre- or post-workout creatine were effective for strength and muscle gains, post-workout creatine seemed to have more benefit for muscle gains. Takeaway? Taking creatine at any time of day will have a great effect. But anchoring the habit into your post-workout shake looks like your best bet for muscle gain. Plus, if you're already in the routine of taking that post-workout shake, it's just way more likely you will remember your creatine. All right, now that you've got a proper reminder about the effects of these supplements and an update on the research that came out this year, let's remind you about dosage. For creatine, the loading protocol is 0.3 grams of creatine per kilogram of body weight per day for five to seven days, followed by a daily maintenance dose of five grams. I usually recommend about two grams more if you're a vegan or vegetarian to make up for the dietary creatine you're missing. For beta alanine, the ideal dose is six grams per day broken up into smaller doses throughout the day for four to six weeks to load. Recent research shows that smaller doses over four weeks were still better than nothing for time to exhaustion tests in older people. For caffeine, the recommendations for strength and power is 6 milligrams per kilogram of body weight and up to 9 milligrams per kilogram per day for endurance exercise, which is actually an insane amount. For the cognitive effects, it appears that the minimum dose is just the suggestion of coffee being in the room. If you haven't listened to the creatine, caffeine, or beta-alanine shows yet, they are linked up in the show notes at beyondmacros.com slash 60. I've also posted the doses of these supplements in there, as well as a link to our new article on the supplements that are effective for CrossFit performance, which you can find at beyondmacros.com slash CrossFit supplements. You could also just Google Beyond Macros podcast plus the supplement name that you're interested in learning more about. But if you are interested in supplements, remember, make sure everything else gets the most energy. Supplements should be set it and forget it. And that's the reason that I created that article at beyondmacros.com slash CrossFit supplements. Shows you how to set your uh, protocol and then just forget it. Put all your energy where it matters. I hope you enjoyed this research roundup and update on our three supplement podcasts. If you're in our Beyond Macros invite-only community, join the conversation about this episode. If you're not in the community and you want to be, 
Email coaches at beyondmacros.com for your invitation. You can also screenshot your podcast player and tag us in your posts on social media with what you learned and what actions you'll be taking. After all, what good is listening to this show if you don't apply what you learn? And I want this to be a two-way conversation. I never set out to be a preacher. That's it for this week, folks. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Much love, Beyond Macronians.